Heather Duplessy-Allen. Foreign Minister Nanaia Mahuta is back from her surprise trip to India. It's been a bit of a lengthy one. It's actually one of the longest to the country by one of our highest-ranking politicians in recent times. Business Desk Senior Correspondent Dilipa Fonseca is with us. Hi, Dilipa. Hey, Heather. How are you right. going? Not, um, good, thank you. Now, this is obviously a fantastic move. We need to be putting more effort into India, but what are we hoping to get from this visit? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I suppose... The intention of it is good, right? Um, you're creating more relations. We're trying to deepen the relationship. And it, we're kind of trying to do something that we haven't done in the past, which is make the um, make the relationship a bit more than just uh, us turning up and begging for a free trade agreement. And so has she done that, do you think? I mean, if she's turning up with only potentially eight months left in the job, are they going to be convinced by that? Yeah, well, this is a this is a problem all the time um, when New Zealand politicians seem to turn up to India. Um, it's of course very welcome, but it always seems to come towards the end of their tenure. And when you sort of talk to um, Indian officials, this is kind of a little bit of a bugbear for a lot of people. You know, Jonki, um, you know, he turned up in India and um, basically resigned. I think um, you know, two or three months later, um, the chief of defence forces. Um, Keating also resigned shortly after he went on a um, big sort of landmark trip. Um, Winston Peters, of course, um, you know, went over and um, you know ended up not getting back into parliament the same year. Yeah. Uh, so it's it kind of um, Indians always wonder, or at least the officials seem to wonder, what is sort of going on here from the New Zealand side, and um, why don't you know, New Zealand politicians make it priority number one? I, I mean, I think that like Mahuta's visit, uh, what she did was, you know, um, a good. Good kind of you know soft visit to try and you know build a, a few relationships, set the scene. But it's something that you would hope you know we may have been able to do maybe a little bit earlier. Why do we leave it to the last minute like this? What is going on, Dalipa? Well, I think for the first um, you know for a lot of our relationship with India, basically we try to treat it, treat it the same way as China, which is with China we kind of set up a free trade uh, free trade agreement first, and then a lot deeper relations developed after that point, and we kind of. Followed the same roadmap for India, but India is a very different place and different country, and we're also approaching it for you know for greater for a deeper trade relationship at a time when there are a lot of other countries. Yeah, I mean, but, door, but, Dilipa, you know? come on, we're, we're supposed to have some of the best free trade agree, uh, um, agreement negotiators in the world. Surely they can see it's a completely different set of circumstances. China needed us so that they could get one under the way while they were opening to the world. These guys don't need us. Yeah, well, I think that we just haven't actually developed that many. Uh, I mean, we have we may have you know really great free trade negotiators, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have a great diplomatic presence in India. I mean, yeah. do we have as deep a presence, and do we understand the market? Do our diplomats understand India? Have as great a great network of contacts as um, as they should? And I would kind of argue that um, you know maybe we do. Our, our presence in India is much smaller than. Um, our diplomatic presence is much smaller than in um, China. And if you look over you know, to Australia, they kind of approach it a very different way. For, um, even from, uh, I mean, I didn't mention this in the article, but actually you can even trace it back to John Howard's time where they sort of saw um, India as kind of maybe a sort of a backup plan um, to, you know, for China. And, um, and they started cultivating that relationship, even though they probably... You know, wasn't going to have the instant trade payoff that may have uh, that may have had. And then yeah. in um, twenty eighteen, they released a really a massive report that I don't think that we would ever. 
get from you know the New Zealand Foreign Service, which was it was hundreds of pages, and it was based, it was a, it's known as Varghese Report. That's Peter Varghese, who's a um, who was an established uh, diplomat there, and he basically um, he broke down India into states. He identified different industries in different states and ways that Australia could maybe you know capitalize on it because Australia, you know, India is not just uh, one country in a way. You can sort of think of it as a collection of states, some, you know, a lot of them have uh, different languages to one another as yeah. well. Um, so that's kind of the way that you've got to approach it. And the Australians approach it that way. Um, and uh, they have, I mean, of course, they have a lot of things that India wants to buy for its development. They have coal um, and, you know, we have um, dairy, which is sort of, you know, more protected. And uh, But at the same time, um, even if you were to ignore the trade side of it, um, the diplomatic relationship is definitely much deeper on the Australian side. I think most people would agree. Yeah, and I would say we're probably at risk of annoying them constantly by by being having a bit of an attitude to some of the the students that they send over here. Dilipa, that was fanta- uh, fascinating. Thank you, Dilipa Fonseca, Business Desk Senior Correspondent.